um, to us, particularly this past year. And that's the idea of water. Um, water plays a big role in our agrarian culture. Uh, you know, a few years ago we were dealing with the, the drought or the flood, and then we had the drought, and then this past year has been the wet spring, and then the dry July, and now the million dollar rain um, that we've had these past. And I'll take this weather, I'll sign up for it all next summer too. Um, you know, this is, this is perfect fair weather. I don't know what it's doing to the crop, but it's like perfect fair weather for me. Um, and you got to think about it, you know, water has a, plays a big part in, in, in the, the Bible culture as well. Um, in, in, in the Bible times, uh, most of them, the water that they got and the climate they were in, a lot of it came from wells or streams. And um, you find it as a, as a teaching often throughout Scripture, particularly in the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I thought I'd take one story from early in the ministry of the life of Christ. And it's found in John chapter 4. Let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus is in his ministry, and he is going along, and in this story, he is heading to Galilee. Now, from where they were, there were two main roads to Galilee. One of them went close to an area called Samaria. And the problem is, Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. Um, Jews considered Samaritans half-breeds. And so they wanted nothing to do with them. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is so significant. Because Jews and, and, and Samaritans, just, they just like didn't talk to each other. And so Jesus said, looks to his disciples and says, I need to go up to Galilee, but let's go through Samaria. Now, kind of a little taken back, I'm sure. But we're going to pick the story up in John chapter 4. And here's what it says. Verse 3, it says, He left Judea and, tra- and departed unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then he comes to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So he, we're, we're talking about a place that has some real ancient history to it. And we're going all the way back to Genesis with Jacob and Joseph and those stories. And it says, and, he, and uh, now Jacob's well was there. So we're talking about a well that had been there for probably a good couple thousand years. And uh, very significant in the Bible. And it says, And Jesus, therefore, being wearied on his journey, sat down thus on the well. So here's the deal. Jesus is with his disciples. They come to Samaria, their sidecar. Jesus sits down next to the well. And the disciples go on into town. They, they're going to grab something to eat and, and bring it back. Um, and Jesus is sitting there at the well. And it says, um, it was about the sixth hour. And there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And, she's, and he said unto her, give me to drink. Now, this is like stop back up the train because this doesn't happen. I mean, here's a gal. She's going out to get water for her family. She comes to the well and there's this stranger sitting there. And it says, Jesus looked at her and said, give me something to drink. And this gal, I'm telling you, this gal is absolutely floored. Here's what the text says. It says, now disciples were going to the city to get meat. And then he said to the woman of Samaria, then the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me, which are a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaria. So the first thing she says is, really? I mean, first of all, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We shouldn't be talking. And secondly, you're a man, I'm a woman. In this culture, we don't talk. Why in the world are you even saying anything to me? And he goes on and he says this. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and, what it, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, 
then you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. So now he looks at her and says, look, if you really know who I was, you'd be asking living water for me. And she goes, she said, the woman says on him, sir, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. We know from, from archaeology, this well was about 100 feet deep. And so he's got nothing there to get water with. And she looks at him and says, look, um, I don't know what you're thinking, but you, you don't even have a way to get water out of the well. And he goes on to say this. And she goes on to say um, uh, that the well is deep from where, and, and then what do you have to get water? And then she gets to the religious stuff, and she brings up religion to him. And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank himself and his children and his cattle? And, he, and she looks at him and says, I don't get it. You're, at, you're telling me that I can have like living water, but this well has been providing water for thousands of years. And you're telling me you can solve, you can solve that problem? We're going back a long ways. And he, goes, and he goes on to say this. Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinks of this water, talking about the water he's talking about, will never thirst again. So this woman now is listening to him going, look, the kind of water I'm talking about, you'll never be thirsty again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water I give him will be in a well of water, spring up unto everlasting life. So now he brings into the spiritual dynamic. He talks about this thing called everlasting life. Now, most of us, when we talk about eternal life in the Bible, we think about when we die, we go to heaven. When the Bible talks about everlasting life, it talks about, it, the concept in the Greek language has two ideas. One idea is, is the idea of, of, of length of time, everlasting. The other idea is quality of life. So in other words, it's, it's kind of this idea. Salvation, eternal life, living water, is something that I'm going to enjoy now, and then when I take my last breath, I'm going to continue to enjoy it forever, but I'm going to enjoy it forever at a level that was not even close to what I experienced here. So there's two ideas. There's an idea of this world, and there's an idea of the world to come. And he says, the water that I'm talking about is, is, is an everlasting kind of water. And he goes on to say this. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water I th- I, so that I thirst not and, and come hit it or draw. So she looks at him and says, okay, look, I'll tell you what. Just go ahead and get it to me, then I don't have to come to the well anymore. Because she's still thinking physical water. And Jesus is trying to make a spiritual jump here with her. And notice what happens next. Jesus said unto her, go and get your husband and come back. And it says, and the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, yep, you're exactly right. For you have had five husbands. And the person that you're with now, he's not your husband. Thanks for being honest with me. You have said that truly. Now, you can, now, now, just we lose this, but think about this for a minute. You're walking down the fairgrounds, somebody standing in line with water, asks you to buy them a, gla- a, a bottle of water, and then offers you eternal water, and you go, yeah, sure, go ahead and give it to me, then I don't have to stand in line anymore. And then he looks at you and tells you the deepest, darkest secret of your life. He's a complete stranger. And I'm telling you, this gal was just, at this point, she does not know what to think. And notice what she says. She looks at him, and again, typical. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. 
Okay, look, that's like too spooky. It's like a God thing. I don't understand what it is, but they're, they're, you've got to be like a prophet guy to know that kind of thing. And then, again, she goes back to religion. And she goes, okay, now, it's kind of like me. I try never to let anybody know I'm a preacher. Because the second they do, they say things like this. Oh, no, okay, I'll try to watch my language. <laughs> or all of a sudden, it's like, it's like I'm in a, in a glass box now. I can't be like a regular person. And that's what happens. Jesus... He, she looks at him and goes, okay, you're like a spiritual, religious kind of prophet kind of guy. So I got a spiritual question for you. And she throws this out because this is what the Jews and the Samaritans argue about all the time. She said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place to worship. And she says, okay, since you're like a prophet guy, tell me where we should worship. Because we're worshiping on the mountain and the Jews say we ought to worship in Jerusalem. Again, remember I told you they were like, they, they, they were apart from each other. When the Jews said they were half-breeds, and didn't want anything to do with them, the Samaritans developed their own places of worship, completely separate from the Jews. And it became a big divisive kind of thing. And so he says, okay, look, all right, so, so where should we worship? Jesus said, and our woman believed me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, she looks at, he, he looks at her and says, look, you've got worship all wrong. It's not about place, it's about person. And notice what she says. She says, I know that Messiah will come, which is called Christ, and when he's come, he will tell us all things. She says, yeah, I know, that day's coming. I, I agree, and once that day comes, then we'll get all of this stuff figured out. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto you am he. He looks at her and he goes, I'm the one you're talking about. It's me. And here's what happens. It says the woman, upon this, and so at this time, the disciples came and marveled that he talked to the woman, yet no one said, what seekest you or why you talk with her? In other words, the disciples walk up on the scene and they go, he's, look at that. He's, he's like talking to a woman and it's like she's a Samaritan woman. Do we say anything? Do we tell him he's not supposed to? I mean, he's like, Jesus, and I'm not sure. And, and, and they just say, well, we're just all going to be quiet and not say anything. And then and they come up on Jesus, and it says, this is what it says about the woman. The woman then leaves her water pot, goes her way, and goes to the city, and said unto the men. So she runs to the city, the main place where all the men are gathered, and she says, come see a man which told me all that I did. Is not this the Christ? She says, I just met Jesus. You've got to come out. You've got to come and see him. And it says, and they came, and they went out of the city, and they came unto him. And then there's this whole little scene about his, him and his disciples having this conversation, and it picks it up a few verses later, and here's what it said. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. And when the Samaritans that were, came to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he stayed with them two days. So here you have this woman who goes running into town and says, you've got to go see this. This is like Christ, and he's there, and you've got to see him. And they come rushing to him, and they sit, and they listen to him, and many believe. And for two days, he stays there. And it's a great, it's a, it, it's a great, great story. So a couple of things, and then we'll give them some application. It, it, one of the things in this story that you see is that Jesus looks at her and says, look, I want your worship. I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship involves humility. It involves a focus. It involves looking at, at, at something and, and re, 
taking everything else in my life and kind of pushing it aside. And really, when we come to church on a Sunday, worship is one of the things we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take all the stuff that's happened, all the stuff that's on our mind, kind of push it aside for a little bit and focus on what God has for us. That's what worship is. And notice he says worship in spirit and truth. The idea is that there's an internal part of worship and there's an external part of worship. Something that happens inside of me, first it comes out. That's why over and over again in the Bible, you see things like, if you say you're a Christian, but you're doing this, check your heart. Because he links internal and external. And the whole book of James is about that, about the idea of, uh, of worshiping that together. And, and that's what Christ taught when, when, when he was here, and, the, and they cornered him about the greatest commandment. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first great commandment. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was saying, look, if you really want to follow God, you've got to do it with everything you've got. It's, it's, it's not a half-hearted kind of thing. And in a story, you see one of the things that, that God offers her water. But, but don't miss this in the story. Jesus asked something of her first. You remember? At the well, what does he say? Give me a cup of water. And I will give you water that never, ever ends. And really, that is salvation in a nutshell. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, a little thing, and I will do a great thing for you. But there is an element on her part where she was, there was something asked of her. It was, she was asked to follow, to, to really trust him. And it's interesting because she does. I mean, she goes running out and and. The thing that's interesting in the story, if you, if you follow it through with theme-wise, here's what you see. When this story starts, it's about a glass of water. And then it shifts to eternal life. And then it shifts to the deepest, darkest secret of her life. And you know, when you try to put it together, you go, why? I mean, it's like Jesus is, it's like, you know, he's telling her about salvation and she's right there. And then he brings up her nasty past. Think about the story. What did he bring up? There's probably a bunch of junk in her life, but why did he bring up this? Because you see, in this story, this is the key. He brings up the fact that this woman has been seeking relationships to satisfy her need, and none of them have satisfied it. She's had five husbands. They never satisfied the need for a relationship in her life. She's living with a guy now, and he's not satisfying the need. What he's saying is, you need to understand, you're trying to put your life about religion It's about a relationship. And even in your life, you've been seeking a relationship and you haven't found it. And I'm here to tell you, it's found in trusting me. And that's exactly what she does. This woman goes, the disciples come up on the scene. They don't know what to say or do. This woman heads out of there full bore, goes back to the city. And again, ironic in the scripture, she talks to the men. And she would have gone into the town gate, the center of the thing, where all of the leaders of the city were, and starts telling them about what happened. And they leave and go out to check it out. And some of them believe because of her, and some of them believe because of what they hear. And Jesus stays with them for two whole days. Which is another thing in this story. Do you ever think in her mind she thought God could use her that way? And yet, when you look at it, it's early in the life of Christ, She is one of the foundational people in the gospel going to people outside of the Jewish faith. God takes this woman who just simply says, I'll follow you, I believe you, and and a whole 
community becomes Christians because of her testimony. Which reminds me of the fact that God can use anybody. Okay, so a couple of lessons and we're done. A couple of quiet. First thing is this. Make sure you understand this. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. It's about really focusing on him with your life and saying, God, look, my life is not my own. It's yours. And when we do that, when, when we give God our heart, he gives us living water. Not like water that, that you and I drink. But the idea is, have you ever had an ice-cold bottle of water on a hot day? And you know how refreshing and nourishing and satisfying it is? And what Jesus says is, look, if you will follow me with your whole heart, you need to understand, I can give you that internally every single day of your life. When, when, when bad times come and they're going to come, I will be able to encourage and strengthen and help you and give you a peace and a grace and a strength through that that the world never understands. Why? Because you have a, literally what he says here, something springing up inside of you to help you. It's about a life that satisfies. As Christ said it in one passage, I am come not just that you would have life, but that you would have life abundantly. That you'd be able to get through all of the stuff with my help and, and, and strengthen you through times that nobody else understands. And don't forget this, God wants to use you. Yeah, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a this. I'm retired. I'm just that. I'm just that. Let me tell you something. God wants to use you. And God will use anybody. Go through the Bible and look at the people God uses. And you know what, the, you know what the, the one main thing you see about every person that's true, every person God uses, you know what they said? God, if you want to use me, I'm willing. And in every situation, you know what God says? Yes, I want to use you, and I will. Because that's, that's the story of Christianity. So my prayer for you this morning is that each of you understands and knows and experiences that living water. That you have a time where you put your faith and trust in Christ, where you realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and as best as you know, you, you, you pray and you ask God to save you from your sin and to, to start that relationship, not religion, that relationship. And God does that. And God will use you, as long as you're willing to let him use you. So, it's a bottle of water that I'm hoping God will use to remind you all week, month, year. And for those of you who are Christians, those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the next time you take a drink of a nice cold bottle of water, I hope that it's a reminder for you that God can nourish and refresh and meet your needs every single day. That's what he wants to do. And for those of you who aren't Christians, I mean, you're still exploring it, you're still asking questions, you're still doing all of those kinds of things. I, it's my prayer that every time you take a wine, take a glass, an ice cold glass, a bottle of water, glass of water, tea, whatever it is, that it's a reminder to you that there is a God who will satisfy that soul need for you, that need that um, gives you purpose for your life, that need that meets the, uh, that that way to meet needs that are genuinely there in your life. And when you're in a doctor's office and you get a bad report, you have a peace and a hope and a confidence 
The people without Christ don't have. And when tragedy comes into your world, and it will, there's a peace, there's a comfort, there is, a, there is, a, there is something inside of you that gives you the, 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 the encouragement and hope that you need to go And to meet those needs. That's what Christianity is. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about how we live life every day here on our way to heaven. That's everlasting, abundant, eternal, living water kind of life. And that's what Christ was all about. And that's why he came for him. And that's our prayer as a church. It's our prayer as a group that, um, that you know that. And um, for those of us that do, yeah, sometimes we get a little obnoxious about sharing it. But that's because we know how great it is. And um, we want to encourage you to know it well. Um, we're, if, you're, if you're looking for a group of people that have it all together and have it perfect, you've got to go find another church in our group because that's not us. We're struggling together. And we're learning together. And we're growing together. And... And it's a, and it's not about church. It's about a faith and trust in Christ. We just have to have a lot of people together that meet every week that have that, and we encourage and try to help each other and try to figure out what God has for us for the next week and how we can serve Him and use it. That's what Christianity is: living water. And that's our prayer that everyone, everyone knows that message and gets to enjoy that kind of life that, as we say it, life as God intended it to be. So that's our prayer for you. If uh, we could talk, if we can answer, there's a thing in the in the back of the song thing that's got a uh, a, a way to, to understand Christ. There's a bullet. There's a little thing back here by Billy Graham in the back of the church about how to put your faith and trust in Christ. We'd love to answer your questions, but it's really important for all of us to understand that first of all, you have experienced living water. And for those of you that are Christians, remember. You have that as a possession. So use it. And let God use you. And that way we can all honor him this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for stories as simple as uh, a bottle of water. And Lord, you took so often common everyday things to remind us of spiritual truth. So Lord, I pray for those this morning that, uh, Lord, maybe like this woman, they're trusting religion instead of a relationship. And Lord, would you help them to see the folly in that? Lord, for others that uh, they're trusting something they did, uh, maybe a baptism or membership or money that they gave or some gift that they gave, Lord, would you help them to understand that it's not about that stuff, it's about you. And that, uh, Lord, they would come to a point where they put their faith and trust in you, Lord. Not just for life in heaven past this world, but Lord, for life here on this earth and all that comes our way here. And for those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, that sometimes it's easy to get our eyes off of you to put them on other stuff. And Lord, when we have problems, we'll go to friends and we'll Google stuff and we'll read stuff. But Lord, a lot of times we just need to turn to you for the strength that we need. And help us get back to that. And Lord, use us. And uh, Lord, when it's all said and done, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. And we thank you for this time and for your word. And help us to live it, to do it, not just to hear it. These things we ask in your name. Amen.